Well, hello, everybody. My name is Jody Cross. Welcome to the Worship God podcast, a production of TGC Canada. Thanks, TGC, for hosting us. With me today is Rob Brockman and Pat Sabell on different parts of the continent. Guys, how are you doing today? Hey, Jody. Doing well. Well, guys, we, we uh, are talking today about worshiping a big God in a small church. And uh, the news today, if we were just to be honest about what's actually breaking forth in Ontario, and has already happened in BC and perhaps other parts of the country as well, is that we are talking about worshiping uh, a big God on, on, a, on a big weekend. It's Easter weekend, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Uh, but we've just had some news of uh, new lockdowns in the, in the gray zone, at least here in Ontario and in BC. Pat, I know that you've had a, a lockdown order uh, this week already. So, you know, we had stuff that we wanted to talk about and we are going to get to it, but we wanted just to express the difficulty of what it means for worship leaders and worshipers for the second year in a row to have our Easter plans, our Easter hopes, our Easter desires to exalt the risen Christ with all that we have really, uh, you know, just changed and uh, diminished greatly. So um, guys, how are you doing with this? This is a, this is tough news for us today. Very much. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, telling Norm Funk, uh, my lead pastor here on, on Tuesday morning as we met, uh, we were on Thursday, we were told that you can have uh, gatherings. And so uh, it was 10% of our, our church. And so we had uh, 43, I think, that we could have. We we're going to do three on, on Easter Sunday. And um, just so excited about that being able to happen. And then on Monday, the announcement came out that, uh, uh, you know, jokes on you, <laughs> we're, we're not going to allow gatherings, uh, things are getting worse. And so we need to, they shut down restaurants again and, and everything. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I was just sharing with Norm that I felt a greater level of discouragement than I felt in a while. And there's something about, uh, being with God's people, uh, that that there's a real ache, and and maybe this is meant to create a longing for the day when we'll be with Jesus mm -hmm. and we'll be around the throne face to face with Him and and with with all the redeemed saints. Um, but there's yeah, there's a a real longing to be together. Uh, we planted this church. Um, our, our launch Sunday was January twenty fourth. <laughs> we've we've never. Uh, we've seen, you know, some people here and there, um, but eat, we're, we're not even allowed to have people in our homes or allowed to, uh, to do anything of that, that sort right now. So it's been very difficult. Uh, and just, yeah, I think it's a season where you, you, you know that God is on his throne and he's not surprised by what's going on and he's, he's doing something in us mm. in, in this season. And so we, we, we hang on. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's, there's, I think there's in... a lot of hardship going on in in Ontario. Uh, I know across the across Canada, but especially in, in the circles that I'm involved in. I mean, this is just the fervor around this, and the discussion in the church is is raising, raising, and it's there's just a lot of grief that I feel about. Not okay. Not only like you're saying, Pat, not being able to. Now we've been able to meet with our church for the last while, so we're looking at four weeks of four or five weeks of not being able to meet at thirty percent, but fifteen. That's a far cry from what you guys are dealing with. I mean, we're we're a lot more blessed. So I can do you know, our sanctuary can fit six hundred, so we can have ninety people. So this weekend we're doing 
three Easter services, 90 people each service. I'm complaining about that because I'm like, oh, the energy in the room isn't as good with 140. Oh, why 90? And I, I feel for my other brothers who are like, hey, like my, my sanctuary fit, I can fit 25, you know? Mm. So how do we deal with that? And it's just, there's a lot of grief. There's a lot of sadness. I, I'm very sorrowful at what I'm seeing from pastors and the discussions and the frustrations that are being vented. And it's a sad, it's a sad time. Like personally speaking, my I'm, I'm moving on to a new position and my last week at my church is next week. And I was really looking forward to, you know, 30%, we can get like 190 people in the sanctuary Two of those services. I've seen most of my church and now we got to do three services at 90%. I mean, that wasn't the way that I wanted to be, you know, sent off and commissioned out of this church. And so there's real loss, there's sadness, and it, it can be, it's a hard time. I'm, you know, we, we've gone back to the Psalm a bunch, but Psalm 42, you know, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go to the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God, man. It's a song, some of lament that's just mourning. I can't go to church. <laughs> can't be with God's people and how sad that is. And that's normal. I think we're all just feeling that, that kind of the sorrow and the lamenting of not being able to meet with God's people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I sense it too, in just the fact that people are so tired and they're so weary and they've been holding on now for 12 and a half months. And this new news that we're hearing as of today, uh, my, my uh, concern is that the unity that we enjoyed in the church that, and I'll tell you as, as a Christian leader, as a lead pastor, uh, we've worked hard and prayed hard for God to maintain the unity in the people. And, you, you know, there's a lot of shepherding that was needed to happen to keep people kind of on the same page. And now my my concern and my fear is that even churches that were united uh, may start to show some bigger and more difficult cracks in unity. And uh, so challenging times for sure. And, you know, I'm reminded, though, as we approach Friday tomorrow, which undoubtedly was the darkest day in history. Mm that gave way to the, the greatest joy in history, the greatest news and the triumph of, of Easter Sunday, the resurrection. And I think that's a great reminder, you know, that Romans 8, that verse we often come to says, God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so we know that we don't understand why this is going on and continue to go on, but somehow in the darkness and in the confusion, just as the disciples were on, you know, on that, uh, that weekend, as they walked on the road to Emmaus, they just couldn't figure it out. It was just like a, a mess, a dark, ugly, unwanted mess. And Jesus walks into these situations and he, he explains that he's, he's still Lord and he's still what it's all about. And uh, he's still working and building his church. And so with that saying, we, uh, we're, we love uh, those of you who are watching, who are involved in the local church and who are facing these things as we are, mm. and you're making really quick, uh, Really quick changes to your Sunday lineup if you've been able to worship with 15% capacity. Rob and I were chatting about that earlier, that cut the service from 90 minutes to 60, cut some songs, cut the sermon down by 30%. I mean, this is stuff that happened today. This is real life for us today. A few hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's ongoing and, you know, informing our people. So uh, you're you're with us in this and you're just kind of making all this uh all these gymnastics to happen just to make sure you can do the best you can on Sunday. And, and for those of you like Pat, who are very disappointed because you're completely out of the building and uh, you know, you can't see anybody on this weekend, we grieve with you. And so we just want to encourage you brothers and sisters who are watching uh, continue to worship a big God. And I want to turn a corner on that 
because we have been talking of late about worshiping this big God. We've just come out of, of our last few episodes just talking about gospel-shaped worship and gospel-shaped liturgy. And Piper would remind us that always the, the role of worship leaders is to help people to see the supremacy and the greatness of God in every situation and every season. And when we get that piece right, a lot of other things fall into place. So a lot of the church in Canada, I don't have the stats, uh, but you know there are big churches, churches perhaps over 500 in Canada, I think would be considered big. And there's a few churches in the thousands. I'm not sure what the biggest church is. It may be four or five or 6,000 in Canada, but nothing like the States. I do know in Canada across the country that there are many small churches, let's say under 150, under 100, under 100 you know, churches of 60, 70. So guys, that's the people we want to talk to today who are, who are leading worship and have a desire to uh, bring an offering to a big God in a small context. And uh, what are some of the concerns that, that we face as perhaps smaller churches comparing ourselves to the bigger guys down the street? Oh man, I, I, I mean, I think uh, there's always the temptation to to compare, make comparisons, to to feel like uh, what you do is insignificant because mm. you don't have the big band, you don't have the lights and the sound. Um, I think there's real temptations to to just feel like um, you know, kind of what's the use, or nobody cares, nobody's nobody's really leaning in and i think it's vitally important that we we start with the the reality that uh we're serving the lord christ uh that that he's the one who's called us that he's the one that's placed us where we are uh and so we just want to be we want to be found faithful wherever he's called us and so to that that worship leader that's in a, ch a small church in some ways we're all in a small church right now because we we can't have uh we can't have a lot of people we we can't have any um but but yet even people that are uh, watching by live stream or the you know the people that come and help or whatever um so how how do we you know how do we be faithful and how do we uh, love Jesus and 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 consider it a privilege to do for Him what He's called us to do wherever He's called us, and so you know uh, the 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 looking over the fence, the grass is greener. You mm -hmm. know that that's a terrible thing about worship conferences, which nobody goes to anymore because <laughs> there isn't it. Uh, but but worship conferences can always tend to be that thing. You're in a small church, you go, you watch the big band on stage, and you're like, oh man, you know we could never do this, we could never do that. Um, but but the beauty of of just thanking God for where he has you and why he has you there and and how can you love him and love those people and be faithful i think is is key the same mm -hmm. thing that will make you effective in a big church makes you effective in a small church and it's loving jesus <laughs> like that's yeah. that's what makes you effective you in your relationship with christ and i think you know it can be very discouraging because a lot of worship resources, which is why we even wanted to do this episode, is because a lot of worship resources are geared towards big church. You know, oh, how do you deal with the drummer who gets off the click? And you're going, oh, what's a drummer? You know, like that, that for a lot of us, we're just very privileged where I got four or five solid drummers that I can play with week in and week out where a lot of you are don't have a piano player. 
and it's you on acoustic. And here we are talking about big church problems. And just that reminder that what Pat said, that the same thing that's going to make you effective in leading worship in your church is just your love for Christ is mm-hmm. cultivating that relationship and cultivating a love for his church and understanding that it is his bride. It, it is, it is his prized possession. You have been put in a privileged position to love her and serve her as she is. Like any husband can tell you, you can't love your wife if you're wishing that she was somebody else's wife. You know, if you're like, if you're looking going, ah, I wish that was, how can you, you got to love shepherd the flock that's among you love the bride that you have. And if your bride's 40, 50 people, that is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And, you know, we got to resist the temptation that all these worship resources draw us to. I go on YouTube and I want to look up an arrangement to a song and it's a six, seven piece band. Like there's a guy doing percussion with a drummer and then synth and three electric guitar players. Like that can be really discouraging if you forget, wait a second, number one, those people, what makes what makes them effective primarily in their church, is if they love the Lord. So we got to start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's challenge when you look over the fence and uh, you think that you know only the people with fifty thousand dollar budgets, worship budgets, can pull this off. And some of you are going, "What's a worship budget?" Yeah. <laughs> I got like I got five bucks in my pocket. <laughs> Yeah, like I was able to buy some music and a subscription to CCLI, and like I'm I'm zeroed out for the year. The um, the challenge is that um, you know we we don't need to look like everybody else. John chapter twenty one. I love the scripture when Jesus is talking to Peter, telling him about his future, mm-hmm. and then uh, Peter says to Jesus, "What about that guy?" And I love I get rebuked by this every time I read that chapter. Jesus says, "Don't worry about him. Like get your eyes off him. You just follow me." Yeah. Right, Peter. I've got a plan for your life. You're in the place, and the, and you're in the in the program that I've called you to. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about what what I do with him. You just be faithful and follow me. And rather than framing this discussion about how can I be like those guys down the street or those guys on the internet, I think it's it's quite simple actually. When we talk about worshiping this big God, two questions come to my mind. Number one is what does God deserve? And what did the people need? Not the question isn't how can I be like that church? It's what is what does God deserve, and what do our people need? And if we we frame the discussion around those two questions, yes, we can be faithful to worship a big God and to give the people who are in front of us what He needs. So uh, think think with me, guys, just about you know experiences you've had where you've been in a small context. Maybe it was a church service, or maybe it was somewhere you were leading, and. Uh, you had experience with with a small you know worship team or even a small setting and how God used that in your life or how God used it to bless the people. Pat, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a real small town. Uh, the church that we were a part of was probably under fifty, maybe forty people. Uh, until I was twenty four, I moved to Toronto and became a part of a church of twelve hundred. Um, Prior to that, the largest church I was a part of, I moved to from uh, northern BC to Kamloops, and was the church was a little larger there at about 140. Um, but I think there was just an understanding that uh, that's always a, a contentment that that's where God had me, and so how, what does it look like to be faithful uh, there? And so, 
you know, looking back through the years, I can see uh, when, I, when I moved to Toronto and the significant jump up in, in uh, quality of music and, you know, the better sound equipment, all this stuff. But I think it was Rob that's already said, like when I was, you know, in the church of 40, uh, we did our best with what we had mm -hmm. and, and God honored that. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, and, and sometimes I wish I could go back to that because those are real special moments, you know, just mm. the, the, the acoustic guitar with a not so good sound system or the, yeah. you know, just people singing and just leading mm. people and singing. And, um, you know, I think we get way too bent out of shape about style and about musical preferences and all this stuff. And we make it all about that, but you know, as Rob mentioned, if, if, if God has you in a small church and you love Jesus, then let Jesus use you and, uh, you know, love those people that he's mm -hmm. called you to serve. I, I grew up small churches, multiple worked my first, all my ministry opportunities up until coming to GTA where small church, I remember early on my first drummer, I was literally teaching him how to play drums. So at first we only gave him a hi-hat and a snare and that's all he was allowed to play. We didn't trust him with the kick and he would just kind of tap his foot. And then we slowly added to his drum set. I remember our sound guy had hearing aids and our projection person was blind because they could barely see. It was just like whoever you had, they served. And, you know, I think, I fell into the trap early on of longing for something bigger and something better. And, and, you know, that, that is where I feel like we really need to be cautious and not doing that. And because when you get it, like Pat just said, I've had that same thought. A lot of the time I go, man, how great would it be? Would just to have a piano player and acoustic player in a small room with 80 people. It's packed out with 80 people. That's all you can fit. You hear everyone singing loudly. You know, there's something sweet about just gathering simply with the saints to sing. So many times, like you read in the New Testament, the talks about Paul shows up, he preaches, it says they sung a hymn, and then they left. And it's like, why do we think that that's not good enough? Like, we can't just get together sing a hymn. Mm -hmm. We've overcomplicated it. Now we've got to have LCD lights behind us and LED lights and screens. You know, I think there's something beautiful about the simplicity of worship because it's just declaring good, truthful things about Jesus. That's what worship is. It's kind of a low bar. If you think about fundamentally what we're doing, let me just get up there and we're going to talk about some principles, but let me just get up there fundamentally. Let me just sing some truth about Jesus. I'm going to be responsible for that, doing that as best as I can, singing truth about Jesus and leading people in truth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we need to be okay with like, that is a noble, wonderful task in any size. Yeah. Just dial back the clock a little bit, like, you know, go back, um, 2,500 years before there were uh, synths and modules and great sound systems. Did people not worship before yeah. 1950 or 60? Did the spirit not show up until the synth is on? Yeah. Because that's what you're like, waiting for the spirit to show up, right? With the synth. Those poor God worshipers for the last 2,500 yeah. years, they missed it. They didn't <laughs> no. live in the era of the Nord. Yeah. <laughs> those poor people. And, you know, so I think we just need to give our heads a shake and go, uh, 
the people of God have worshipped in the places that, that he has put them in. I remember one of the churches I served in, it was a Sunday night, and it was in the chapel, so it wasn't our big room, and there was fewer people, and it wasn't the A-team. And I had an experience with God that was was quite interesting. The the dynamic, if we could call it, of people's voices and passion filled that room. And I just looked around and go, this isn't the right room. And this isn't the normal amount of people. And this isn't the best musicians. Why is it? And I realized on that Sunday night, it was because the people who had gathered were very hungry. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the band or the, the place that made the difference. It was the hearts and the hunger and the the leaning in of the worshipers who came that night. It was actually a kind of an intercity worship gathering. So it wasn't our regular crowd. It was our regular crowd plus, plus, plus those who wanted to be there. And that just that just reminded me that that great worship is not about a great band. Great worship, in a sense, is part of it is is the hunger of the people who come to both give and to mm-hmm. Amen. It has nothing to do with what kind of keyboard is on stage or how big your room is or how many lights you just bought. So and I love what you just said, right? One of the one of the most important instruments in, in a worship team is the human voice. And one of the most powerful experiences that we can have is when the band stops and just lets everybody else sing. And anybody who's listening can do that on any given week. There's brilliance and genius in that. And it takes no LED lights and no super duper sound system. So so it can happen, right? It, you don't need a big church. You don't need a big team to have a big, a big offering to God. So what are what are some of the temptations that as a small church that we can fall into in terms of growing a team? What do you think, Pat? Well, I think I think we can uh you know think that we need to wait for a bigger better day and not do anything at present. I would just say you know you got to you got to start with what's in front of you mm-hmm. and be faithful. Um so if if you're not if you're not doing that, if you're waiting for something more to something better to come along uh, before you serve Jesus, I think I think that's kind of the pandemic right now. Lots of people have kind of put a pushed a pause button and said, "Well, I just want this thing to get over with so we can get back to doing church." Um, we we just need to we need to put one foot in front of the next foot and and love Jesus, delight in Jesus, and who is God placed before you and, and, and faithfully love them and serve them and serve Jesus. Uh, and, and don't wait for um, the, you know, whatever you're dreaming about to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't, uh, can't say enough that faithfulness just on a, on a daily basis, faithful to pursue Jesus. You know, I think it was, um, Robert Murray McChain that said the greatest gift you could give the people that you serve is your, your own personal holiness. Um, and I think, you know, you're, you're, you're the people, maybe you have one or two people on your worship team that play an instrument. They're never going to be as more godly than, than you are. <laughs> you, you need to be out front leading the way and say, Hey, what a privilege. Can you guys believe that God's allowed us, God's called us, us two or us three or us five uh, to, to lead worship and to love this church and to, to make them want to know Jesus more through the songs we sing and the way we play our instruments. So, yeah, I would just say it, it, it needs to, it needs to be, be, be in the present, be, 
be present now, be be mindful that God's called you now, right now, and he's, he's, he's going to equip you with what you need to do all that you need to do now, not, not waiting for the bigger day to come. Mm-hmm. I would say one thing also to watch out for is don't try to build who you have up too fast. I remember um, a number of years ago, we were working with a church plant and they had this vision, you know, to do all the tech stuff. And we had kind of joined churches with them. And I had spent three years discipling this woman on my team to play, learn electric. And she was horrified of bringing, she's the most soft, timid woman in the world. She was horrified of bringing a guitar amp, even though she loved it. She didn't want to, the last thing she wanted to do was disturb people. So, but I had convinced her, Hey, you know, don't worry. We'll bring it. We'll make it quiet. But and giving her pedals and growing her slowly over three years, we joined with this other church. And the first thing they did is they threw out everything she had. They gave her a Mac using main stage and she had to relearn everything because that was their vision and she quit. And I remember telling them like, guys, like you don't want to give her too much. Like I've, I got to work. And, and sometimes what we can do is we can just really in our, in our, because we're dealing with this comparison thing, we start pushing tech, we start pushing people too fast and then we start losing them and it's discouraging. And so part of this is really learning where your people are at, giving them patient, being patient and being, yeah, being patient with them, giving them resources that they need, growing them, but at a rate that works for them and at a rate that isn't going to discourage them. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say that's a temptation that we can often fall into because we really want to get to the next level. So we just start pushing people. And if we're not, if we're not uh, careful, that can really discourage people. I would also say we need to guard against complaining. I think a lot of the time we can fall when we start having this comparison problem and we realize it's just me on acoustic and my piano player and we can start getting kind of a little chirpy and a little complaining and down and discouraging. And I would just say, go meditate on chapter three or chapter four of Philippians where Paul talks about you know, hey, the Philippians were the only church that came and supported them. And I thank you that you've revived your support for me. But hey, I'm, I'm like, I'm not saying this because I, I'm looking for more support. I'm happy in whatever situation that I'm in. The Lord has taught me this. Really learning that lesson of contentment in serving and in ministry yeah. will go a huge way, especially if you're put into other ministry situations where it's a bit more responsibility. That that starts to plague you a lot there, even even so. So contentment and be careful with the the pushing of people too fast. Yeah. Yeah, Peter, First Peter 5, speaking to elders in this context, but, you know, shepherd the flock that's among you. Shepherd the team that God puts in front of you. And I love what you said, just understanding where people are at and loving them along. And worship, worship is not just the music we make, but it's the relationships we have with the team that God puts in front of us. Mm-hmm. How we love them and care for them is so important. Uh, being faithful to steward what you have. I, you know, I think at the end of the day, we can trust God with, with what we need. Part of Philippians chapter four, I was just reading that this morning. My God will supply all of your needs. And there were times in my ministry, uh, worship ministry life not too long ago that I remember a whole year when I didn't have a drummer. There was another year, a whole year when I didn't have a piano player. And 
so you know does worship stop if you don't have a drummer or you don't have a piano player or you don't have a vocalist whatever you know some people listening today or watching might go yeah it's me um i don't have a lot of this stuff and i came up with this little statement you know if you have just cabbage cabbage in your fridge then make cabbage soup like whatever's in your cupboard use it and cook up a meal and if you have some spices and some meat you know some pasta some cheese to go in with that throw it all in and make up a different dish but whatever's in your your fridge or your cupboard if god's given you cabbage then you know you you make cabbage soup if it's steak and roast beef then you know you serve that up and and that really speaks to the idea of pursuing just pursuing using what you have because of what god gives you being content right in either in plenty or in in meagerness and leanness and just saying lord we're going to use who we have and what we have to the best of our ability to give you the best that that you deserve that we can with your your spirit encouraging us and and that really just turns the corner to the whole idea of uh, just being excellent, being good stewards and being excellent with what God puts in front of you. And in that year, you know, I can say that we we did fine and the worship of God didn't stop because of the drummer issue or the piano player. And eventually God brought the drummer and eventually God brought the keyboard player and life goes on. So don't don't sweat the small stuff. Don't stress. And there are blessings of the fact that we can be uh, in a small church. Uh, and so what are, what are some things, if, if you think back to some of those times you've had, what are some advantages or some blessings of being in a, in a smaller church, smaller setting with less resources? For, for me, um, a re, you know, I felt like in, in the small church, you can really, in a team, whether it's three people or it's six people, you can really build relationship, I think, a lot more easily. And, and that you can really foster a greater sense of unity and belonging and buy-in on the team. When people feel like they actually make a difference, like they're actually playing a significant role, that also helps them when you talk about this idea of stewardship. You know, we've been given this responsibility to help these people and to stu- they're a part of what we've been given. So we're stewarding them and trying to help them grow. Well, when they feel that sense of buy-in, when you're in a small church and you're one of one, two piano players, and if it's not you, you're sitting there in the congregation and there's nobody on stage because you're the person, um, you start to feel a real sense of, ooh, yeah, like they really need me. And that that can be helpful when you're really trying to create buy-in for the worship team. So, so for me, that kind of relational stuff, that that buy-in and building unity, that that I've always found very a lot more easy in, in a small church. There are, there are problems with that too, but, but a lot of the time that's a lot easier. Yeah. I think there's things like spontaneity. Um, I remember when I was in a small church, uh, you know, it was really easy to just like call people up the evening of and say, Hey, what are you doing tonight? You want to go down in the church and, and, and jam play, play some music or, um, you know, I remember when I, when I moved from Kamloops to Toronto, uh, one of the deacons at the church came up to me right away and said, oh, we'd like to have you and your family over for for dinner. And I had come from Kamloops and I was really used to this spont- spontaneous, oh yeah, sure, we could come tonight if you'd like. And he said, oh no, uh, I was thinking, and he went to his calendar and he, he gave me a, a date three months away. <laughs> three months away. And uh, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> where, where, you know, I came from this small town that 
uh, I'm not exaggerating. I think five out of the seven days we, we would be at the church mm. and we were there because there wasn't a whole lot else to do. And the church was this cool place where there was lots, lots of instruments and people like to be together and to pray. And so I, I think there is something special, something unique about those small uh, churches. There's, mm. there seems to be a small town. There seems to be less pressure to, to just be going and doing and activities and events. I would say just seize that and love that and, mm. and, and call people to something more. Um, if, if God has given you that, uh, th those were such special moments that uh, ever since I've moved on and, and, been in bigger churches has definitely made it harder. Bigger cities made it harder to to have that level of spontaneity. Uh, you actually have to ha actually have to have scheduled uh, times when we're going to get together and play music and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so I don't know. That's that's one thing that uh, sticks out to me that was really special. Mm. I, I like this phrase. Um, there's beauty in simplicity. There's beauty in complexity too. But there's beauty and simplicity. You see that in creation, and there's there's something that's that's just wonderful about you know a voice or two and one or two instruments. And uh, I did a, a Christmas tour, a couple of years for a couple of years, and it was myself on acoustic and voice, a keyboard player on vocals, and a and a bass player, and I had a foot tambourine somewhere in there too. So it, it was a three piece, and I said you know let's make let's make a big sound with a small team. And there's something wonderful about one or two voices, two or three instruments, or three voices, whatever, a couple of instruments. You can you can make a lot from an artistic point of view, but you know that's not even necessarily where we're going for. It's just the offering of of the music that we make, mm -hmm. because um, you know the heart is the first thing and the intent is is the first thing. But whatever whatever we have, if it's just a small offering, a small team, then make beautiful artistry with that to the God who deserves all praise. And, you know, just to, to wrap up our time today, and perhaps uh, we'll dialogue when we, uh, when we hit the pause button on this episode, but uh, we'll probably come back and just really give you some practicalities if, if this is who you are in a small setting, what you can do to take some practical things with you. We've talked kind of a framework about it today, but, um, you know, we go into this weekend, and again, some of you are, are going to be limited. I know that we're going to be cutting back and you think, well, we want to give Jesus the praise that he deserves. And boy, it really would have been nice to have the big, the big sound, the big this, the big that. But it starts in the heart. Worship is an offering of the heart. And Jesus reminds us that the woman who gave her two mites uh, gave more than everybody else. And so we just need to realize that the intent and the offering of the heart is big in God's sight when it, when it starts there. And a lot of people who did big things, you know, who looked religious outwardly, I weren't really giving him much because their heart wasn't right. So uh, keep the right heart, keep relationships with God's people key, and keep loving the sheep in front of you as something that you're really driven towards. Uh, Rob, last uh, last kind of encouragement from you to the people, Pat, as well. I'll give you a couple of sentences and then uh, we'll be done. Yeah, just a word of encouragement to the small church guy, gal. Be careful of the expectations you put on yourself. Um, you know, and, and this applies to everyone, but especially in a small church, you know, your, your job isn't to create some sort of huge, wonderful response. Like your responsibility is to come prepared 
is to think thoughtfully, to, to prayerfully plan, to bring excellence. But you, you can't force people to worship. You can't force your church to grow. You know, you can't start stepping in the role of God. And so just be released to, to take responsibility for the things that you have and really to let go. Maybe some of you need to just let go of the expectations that you've put on yourself. Your role is just to provide God's people with an opportunity to see Jesus, to, to get a big view of God, come to awareness of who they are, look to the cross, look to Jesus, respond in gratitude for that and send them out. And, you know, that's manageable. And it's when we start putting on these big expectations on ourselves that we can get into troubled water. So be released to not uh, weigh yourself down with unneeded expectations. And first Peter four, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, listen to this, in order that in everything God may be glorified mm. through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. And that's what it's all about mm -hmm. right there. So whatever God has given you, wherever he's placed you, do it in order that God may be glorified through mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Amen. Good words. And uh, I'll end with uh, just some things that I was reading in, in Philippians today. Paul says uh, in Philippians 4, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And my encouragement to those of you who are part of this uh, podcast today is just be that contagious worshiper. Be with the Lord, the, the most uh, passionate worshiper that you can be because you spend time in the presence of God. Moses' face glowed and impacted and affected the other people around, around him. And uh, as you are a worshiper in the secret, you bring that into the public regardless of who's on that platform with you, regardless of how many people stand before you in the congregation. Just be that contagious, exemplary worshiper and allow God to use you and your passion for Christ to overflow, to, to touch and encourage their lives, to compel them and to, to help them to see Christ as you've seen him. Mm -hmm. And this weekend, brothers and sisters, as you are part of churches that are worshiping on Friday and Sunday. We're grateful for you. We stand shoulder to shoulder with you across the country and wherever you're listening around the world, perhaps. And uh, we know that the darkness of Friday gave way to the brilliant light and the, the great victory of Easter Sunday. This is our hope. Christ is risen indeed. Mm -hmm. Satan is defeated. Hell and death have been utterly destroyed. And uh, we serve a risen Savior who's with us today. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So wherever God sends you this weekend, whatever your ministry context, the Lord is with you. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for your faithful service. We'll see you again next time on Worship God. <laughs>